55. Come on, he said, O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy iniquity? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is law. Who knows the last one? He said, but thanks be to God. Come on, thanks be to God. Come on, let's praise him. Let's magnify him. He has risen. He died for you. He died for you. He gave you a reason. I met with someone this weekend that wished they had the opportunity to dance. That wished they had the opportunity to just even feel some pain in their legs. You have an opportunity this morning. Come on, I need you to move this morning. I need you to stand up. I need you to lift up your hands, raise your voices. We're going to give God praise this morning. We have a reason to dance. We got a reason to shout. I need you to step out your feet. Come on, I need you to follow my instructions. Step out your feet for a minute. Step out your feet for a moment. Come on, I don't see anyone moving. Step out your feet for a moment. Hallelujah. He gave us a reason to dance. He gave us a reason to dance. Hallelujah. Come on, you have feet. You got hands. Let's lift them up. Let's raise the voices. Let's shout a praise unto the Lord. You are the King of glory. Come on, every time something big happened, there was a dance. When Moses crossed the Red Sea, what happened? There was a dance. There's a dance. There's a celebration. We are here this morning to celebrate. We are here to celebrate. Celebration time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let me hear your voices. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. We worship you. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands in this place. Let's clap our hands. Hey. Put your hands together in this place. Hey. Hallelujah.
lost their lives and giving them they actually committed suicide I was told this week it was traumatic I couldn't even fathom it I see a person a few days or a few months ago and they lost and they actually decided to give their or take their life but I come to tell you you don't have to take your life today Jesus has already given his life for yours all you have to do is give your life to him today today and we're here to welcome you we're here to encourage you with your walk with Christ, we are here to serve you in every capacity. We're going to lift our hands in prayer. And those who are watching, we won't forget about you. Those who are faithful in our, our, our streaming service, who are part of our church, we thank God for you. Can we lift our hands for those who have prayer needs and prayer requests? Those who are sick, we're praying for Brother Tony and his, and his family. He lost his mother this week. 
We're praying for other persons that have lost loved ones in their lives this week. And let's go to God in prayer today. Can we lift our hands, those who are able to stand? Let's stand and believe God today that whatever need you come with, whatever burden you came with, God can exchange your burden for joy. He can exchange your burden for peace. He can exchange your burden for his love, his love that you need. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we give you thanks today. We understand that, God, this is not like any other Sunday, but the world recognizes that you are risen from the dead. We know that, God, we don't take it casually. We know that, God, you've died for our sins. You know that you've taken away the condemnation that was upon us. And we understand that we have received the understanding of the truth of your word. And that we've accepted you in water baptism in your name. We accepted you accepting the fact that except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he can enter the kingdom of God. And we pray, God, a fresh flow and a baptism of your spirit upon those who have come, those who have not tasted and see that the Lord is good. We pray for for the Tony's family, and we pray for his, oh God, wellness, oh God, the loss of his mother. We pray for Mr. Marshall. We pray right now for him and his family on the loss of their loved ones. God, we pray that you will bless my neighbor next to me. I pray you send revival in their heart. I pray that you will touch them from the crown of their head to the very soles of their feet. I pray your spirit will baptize someone in your holy name, Jesus Christ. And someone will give their life to you, Lord, today. This is a day that their day can be changed. Their birth can be now registered in heaven. If one soul can repent, heaven will rejoice. Let us worship you in the beauty of your power, the beauty of your holiness. For thine is your kingdom. For thine is the power, both now and forever. In Jesus' name. That heaven and earth proclaim that there's only one name that can heal. There's only one name that can save. There's only one name that can deliver. That's only in the power, in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Can I get somebody lifting holy hands without wrath or doubting and worship your God in the beauty holiness in Jesus' name. God bless you.
to be praised. You are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Do we give you Somebody lift up your hands and worship Him in this place. Somebody lift up your hands and worship Him. Our Lord, You are worthy to be praised. Just like one big choir. Everybody sing it out. We Just you guys sing it, then we give.
we're asking you to, you know, help us to make our transition smooth as we receive our offering this morning. Amen. We're going to have some ushers in the front here this morning. They're, they're going to direct you row by row. Amen. Of which you should come up as you go along. And for electronic payment, it's in the back there. There are two persons in the back there for electronic payment. If you want to be a blessing this morning, amen. We're going to invite you to, to uh, you know, be a blessing this morning to the house of God. Amen. So we're going to ask you to the row where the ushers are turning or facing um, to your right, my left, or to your left, my right, whichever way the ushers are. Amen. Just look to see where the ushers are, and then they're going to direct you which row to go. Bow your heads with us this morning one more time as we pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the spirit that we feel in this place this morning, oh God. We thank you for all our guests, Lord God, all our family and friends that are here, Lord God. We thank you for our online congregation, those that are watching us here online, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will bless us individually and collectively, Lord God. You know our needs, oh God. And as we're about to receive this morning's offering, we ask you a blessing upon every givers. Bless those who have to give, those who have not likewise. Make a way that they too can be a blessing in your kingdom. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord. Amen.
was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. There at the cross, you paid the debt I owe. Broke my chains, freed my soul. For the first time I at home. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Darkness 
anybody with me this morning that loved the Lord. I love Him because He first loved me. I love Him because He died for me. Oh, I love Him for His goodness, His amazing grace. Somebody taste and see that the Lord, He is good. His mercy everlasting and His truth enduring to all generations. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. The first and the last. The one which is. Which was. Oh, I feel his presence in this place this morning. Everything that you need, Jesus can provide. If you would just reach out this morning and say, Jesus, I need you. If you would just reach out this morning and say, Jesus, you know my circumstance. You know what's in my heart. You know my struggles. You know that I need healing. You know that I need deliverance. I know you can do it, Lord. And I'm here this morning to say, God, whatever you need to do with me, will you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? Hear me. Before you leave here today, if you need healing, you're going to be healed before you leave here today. Oh, if you need healing, the healer is in the house. The healer is in the house. The healer is in the house. God. That's the kind of church we are. He gets the preeminence. Worship Him. We have two people that were baptized in Jesus' name, and we want to present them with their certificate. Mommy and Chrisaya, why don't you come this morning? Stay right here. Turn around. Where Mommy? Here you go. They were baptized in Jesus. 
Jesus' name a couple Sundays ago. They are so excited. They are so excited. Keep them in your prayer. Their journey has just begun. And if you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you can be baptized before you leave here today. The baptism tank is open. We got the water warmed up for you. When I got baptized, I went to a cold baptism tank. But you all got the luxury of getting a nice, warm baptism this morning. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, don't leave here today without being baptized. We welcome all of you to Christ Center Church. It's just such a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. We welcome all of you. For many of you, we say welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. For some of you, we hope you will make this your home. God is doing something great and wonderful. And we're so thankful that you can be with us this morning. Sister Joan. We miss you, Sister Joan, and we love you, and we're so glad you're here this morning. Welcome home. This is your home. Nice to have you. We thank God for all of you that are here this morning. We have a guest with us this morning that's all the way from Kansas. Now, we already asked all of our first, second time, and third time guests to stand, and we greeted you. But Alan is all the way from Kansas. And Alan, we just wanted to greet you this morning in the name of Jesus. If you would just stand and wave your hand. Let me tell you why Alan gets to stand and we greet him. Alan is from a, what we call a NAM church in Kansas. And all of you in this church know we started out a little over eight years ago. We were considered a NAM church. And we got support allocations from Christmas for Christ. You know that offering we take up every December that we give? Well, we expect and hope that his church will be allocated some funds to continue to grow. And so, in the United Pentecostal Church, our North American churches are just the engine of what we do. If we don't continue to plant churches, we can't get to reach our lost world. And just think from where we started in the firehouse to where we are today, God has been good to us. And I want to encourage Alan and his pastor and his church family in Kansas to let them know that God is going to do great things in their congregation. Alan, we're so glad you came to worship with us this morning. Alan didn't know us, but somebody told him. He looked up on the internet and he checked and we're so glad that we came up first. So, in case you don't know this, they don't normally tell you to look at your phone in church. They want you to be, you know, but I'm telling you this morning, if you have your phone handy, which I'm, I know you do, I want you to go to your web browser and just enter in myccc.faith, F-A-I-T-H. Just do that real quick for me. That's how we stay at the top. That's how we stay at the top. So when people are looking for an apostolic Pentecostal church, they, they will find us when they Google. Christ-centered church will come up first. 
Keep on doing that because we want you to keep us at the top of the list of apostolic churches in this area. We thank God for what he's doing. Amen. We also have another guest. I'm not going to call her name, but this is interesting. I like to tell interesting stories. I said, how did you get here? She said, you know, I have a neighbor that I really don't know. And I asked my neighbor about a church that I can go to, and my neighbor told me about this church. She didn't know, really know her neighbor. But the neighbors directed her this way. God is doing something in this hour. He really is. And we thank God for all of you that are here this morning to celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday with us. We want to move the story forward, church. I said this Wednesday night at Bible study, and I'll say it again. We want to move the story. We want to move the story forward that the Lord Jesus died for our sins, and three days later he rose from the grave. It's great to tell the story, but we have to ask ourselves, how does that story affect me? What does that have to do with me? And I think that's where I want to get into this morning and share with you just for just a little while before we get out of here, how does the story affect you? If you will stand with me, we're going to read a few passages of scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18. Then we'll jump down to 22 through 25. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 2, the Word of God says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Jesus, your presence is in this house. And we're so grateful that we can come together to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Lord, we know you have done some things already, but God, we're wanting to see lives change before we walk out of here. Oh, my God, I know you are ready to do the miraculous. You're ready to do exceeding and abundant, above whatever we can ask or think. Lord, let it be so that we will not leave this place today without a touch from you, without change, without revelation, without direction, without understanding, without, Lord God, receiving something from you. Touch every one of us individually and collectively. Anoint me as your servant to minister, Lord God, according to your will. We ask you these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Can we all say amen? Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. 
The victorious death. The victorious death. You have often heard me say, if I was pastoring for money, I would preach differently than I do. The first thing I would think about is to make sure the preaching is acceptable by you. I would make sure the message is appealing to the masses. I would make sure it affirms your emotional state, which brings me to this point. Many of us think the key to success is a message of self-esteem, positive mental attitude, and positive confession in order to obtain our earthly desires. But, paradoxically, the early Christian church proclaimed that true spiritual victory lies in a message of apparent death. Namely, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross continues to be a stumbling block to some and foolishness to others. What does the message of the cross mean to you? Where do you categorize? What, what, what place that you, you put the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, where do you put that message in your life? Where does it fit and how do you think about it? There are three different attitudes toward the cross. Some attitude toward the cross is that it's a stumbling block. This was the attitude of the Jews because their emphasis is on miraculous signs and the cross appear to be a weakness. Jewish history is filled with miraculous events from the exodus out of Egypt to the days of Elijah and Elisha. When Jesus was ministering on the earth, the Jewish leaders repeatedly asked him to perform a sign from heaven, but he refused. So the cross don't really provide a sign as we like. So it becomes a stumbling block. Because the Jews were looking for power and great glory, they stumbled at the weakness of the cross. How could anybody put, in, put faith in an unemployed carpenter from Nazareth who died a shameful death on a, as a common criminal? But the gospel of Jesus is the power unto salvation. God will make what we think is foolish and makes no sense. He will make it the power of God. Some of us, the attitude of the cross, we just laugh. <laughs> Nonsense. This was the response of the Greek. To them, the cross was foolishness. The Greeks emphasized wisdom. We still study the profound writings of the Greeks, the philosophers, but they saw no wisdom in the cross. For they looked at the cross from a human 
point of view. Can I pause there, church, and say we cannot look at the things of God from a human point of view. That's where we go wrong every time. And then this day and age, our human point of view is what we are all about. We are all about the human point of view. Our mind of how smart, intelligent, articulate, intellectual we are, and if things don't make sense to us, we say, well, and we try to discuss it, and we try to articulate it, and we don't get involved unless the conversation sounds like we're intelligent. I don't know if you noticed that. Some of our elders probably notice that now, that when you hear some of us talk, you realize we are so high level now. We're, we're so intellectual now that I think some of our elders just leave us to talk because they're like, I don't know when they start talking like that. Because our elders realize just how simple things were. And guess what? They didn't have this vocabulary that we use now and they weren't articulate like us. But guess what? They saw results from how they lived their life and how they trusted in God. But now we're so articulate and we're philosophers that we can't grasp true salvation now. Because it's not making sense to us. That don't make sense. And so we have even preachers. I feel sorry for some of our some of our preachers. We get up and we try to articulate to to the crowd, try to try to get the crowd to see our wisdom and to see our knowledge. And I'm here to tell you that will not save anybody. If I get up here trying to express to you how smart I am, how much I know, how deep I am in the scriptures, that's not going to save a soul because the things of God will always appear to be foolishness to us. That are so intellectual. And that was the Greek. The other attitude toward the cross is the message that some believe and experience the power and the wisdom of God. That's us today. So you had those who says, I'm looking for signs and wonders. If I don't see signs and wonders, I'm not believing. Jews. You have the Greek philosophers that saying, if it doesn't make sense and it's not intelligent, what's the sense of believing in something like that? What I believe in have to make sense. And that was the Greeks or the philosophers. And then you have us. Well, I hope us. Who believe and experience the power and the wisdom of the cross. Paul did not alter his message when he turned from a Jewish audience to a Greek audience. He preached Christ crucified to the Greeks and to the Jews. He preached the word of God and what they did to the Savior of the world. But it was foolishness to them. The preaching of the cross sounding like foolishness doesn't mean it's foolish. It just means that we can't understand it. It is in death that Christ provided salvation for us today that we can know how to be saved. We don't like the message of the cross. We insist on a message of self-esteem. We insist on a message of positive man.
mental attitude and positive confessions to obtain earthly desires. Our insistence of the message has led us to create our own self-pleasing religion. Because the message of the cross is not articulate enough. The message of the cross doesn't demonstrate the signs and wonders like we like. The message of the cross just seems ridiculous. And to us, I need signs. I need a message that makes sense. The message that salvation come through a man who died and furthermore that this man had become victorious by miraculously raising from the dead seems to many as foolishness. Crucifixion was a horrible death. You saw a little bit of it on the screen. For those of you that ever saw the movie The Passion of Christ and so many others, you know crucifixion is a horrible death. For everyone in the first century, the cross was an instrument of torture. It was an instrument of execution of criminals. The mention of a cross brought to mind the sight of humiliation, the smell of blood, and the sound of agonizing cries. To people everywhere, a cross represented pain, condemnation, cruelty, and death. Crucifixion was not only a horrible death, it was a shameful death. It was illegal to crucify a Roman citizen. However, crucifixion was never mentioned in a polite society. Any more than we today would discuss over dinner about the electric chair or the gas chamber. No one likes to talk about crucifixion. No one likes what cru crucifixion shows. However, us Christians believe, as the Bible states, that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching and specifically the seeming foolish message of the cross as the means of salvation. He has transformed the cross from an instrument of suffering punishment, and death into an instrument of healing, deliverance, and eternal life. By the message of the cross, Jesus likewise transformed sinners into saints, blasphemers into missionaries, and persecutors into a preacher, as the Apostle Paul is evidence of. And so as foolish as crucifixion, and this cross message has seemed to some of us, I'm here to tell you, the cross, without it, there could not be eternal life. Without the cross, sinners could not be transformed into saints. Without the cross, gossipers and blasphemers could not become Missionaries and preachers and saints, persecutors could not become preachers if it wasn't for the cross. We need to thank God for the cross. We need to thank God for his blood. For if it wasn't the cross and the blood of Jesus, we would have no hope. No hope. 
some of us may not have taken the opportunity that we have been given through the cross and utilize it for victory. But the opportunity is available to you. You'll hear before I get done here how it works. The focal point of Christianity is Jesus Christ and him crucified. We don't hear enough of the message of the cross preached. Can I tell you, church, I hear preachers preach a lot of times. I believe that sometimes we're being swayed by trying to keep crowds in our building. Not interested in keeping crowd in the building. I'm interested in helping you know Jesus and live your best life in Christ. And some of it will sound good and you will like it. Some of it you will say, oh my goodness, no, I don't like that. But it's still what's good for you. We have to know even when it don't sound like what we want it to sound like, or even when it's not enticing, or even when we don't feel good about doing something, if God says it, we got to realize it's good for us. So the focal point of Christianity is Jesus Christ and him crucified, and we need to talk about it all the time. We, we, we like to talk about how God is good and he'll make it all right. He will work it out. I'm not telling you he won't work it out. But here it is. Sometime, well, all the time, he works it out on his timetable. And so while he's working out your situation, he's only working it out on his timetable. And so that usually means you're going to have to endure some things until he's ready to work it out. We cannot get to the place where if he don't jump when we say jump, that all of a sudden now we can't go to church, we can't serve God, we can't pray, we can't read our Bible. Because when we told the Lord to work it out, he didn't work it out. When we told the Lord to deliver, he didn't deliver. When we told the Lord to bless us, he didn't bless us. And so now we, 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 we got a problem living for him. You know what's interesting? If you're a good parent... When you, when, when you talk to your kids stern and they walk away frowning, do you like that? Okay. I think we do that to the Lord a lot. Because he's not giving you what you want right away. You turn your back and you walk mad. And probably the Lord is thinking, you're not hurting me, sis. Who do you think you're hurting me? I'm sovereign. I'm almighty. Either you get mad you hurt me, or I'm not like your parents who spoiled you, who when you act up, they give you what you want. No, 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 no. Nobody make me do anything because I'm God. I'm all-knowing. And so while you and your parent might not be all-knowing, I'm all-knowing. So you can't entice me to do something for you when I say not right now. You can't pray hard enough to make me give you something when I say not right now. You can't fast enough to make me give you something when I say not right now. Because I'm God and I know everything. I know what will happen the very next second. Don't walk away from God. Because he's showing you the greatest love anybody has ever shown you and continue to show that. So when he says no for a moment, can you just let him be? 
Can you give him the opportunity to work in your situation little uh, later down the line instead of thinking that he got to work it out now? Because we have become an instant generation, because we have become the people that want things done right now, that doesn't mean God has to become that way, because God doesn't change. We might have fast food, but God has always had slow food. God cooks food. We might want the food to be microwave, but God says, no, I put the food in the slow cooker. He could have caused that fiery furnace that the three Hebrew boys walked through. He could have caused that thing to just, I don't know, just not work. Everything about that kind of stuff? Like God. Why you allow those three Hebrew boys to walk through that fiery furnace? I know you walked through it with them, but wasn't it still hot in there, Lord? What wasn't it still like, why do they have to go through that? And he's saying, when you get to heaven, I'll let you know. Because if I tell you right now, you wouldn't even understand. Some of us need to just make sure we live for God just so we can go to heaven and ask all the questions that we got. We've got so many questions of how God does things, you won't get the answer down here. You're going to have to live a holy and righteous life until he calls you home and you get to heaven and you see Jesus face to face. Then you can say, Jesus, can you explain this to me? Jesus, can you explain that to me? Now, you maybe know it by then, but if you don't know it when you get to heaven, you can ask him to explain it. Uh huh. The good news that brings deliverance is that Jesus Christ, as God manifest in the flesh, died for our sins, was buried in a tomb, and rose on the third day. We are to respond to this message and apply it into our lives. Every day. Every day. We ought, to, we ought to make sure we apply what Christ has done for us every day. So can I tell you this? I try to teach while I preach so you get something when you walk away. Let me give you this. If Christ died, we're going to have to die. If you want to be where Christ is, you're going to have to go through what Christ went through. It might not be as severe, but you're going to have to go through what he went through. So you ready for this? He died. They crucified him. The first initial step of us being saved is that we got to die. You want to know why a lot of people not saved? Like really saved? We don't want to die. And the first initial step to being saved. Now, when you get saved, you're going to have to die daily because Paul says that. But just let's start right here. Your first initial step to being saved for real. Not saved that people say. Saved as the Bible says. The first initial step is you've got to die. How do you die? You have to repent of your sins and you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Ooh, 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 ooh. I got to share this. So, Sister Maxine got baptized a couple weeks ago. For many years, she was baptized in titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. 
And if you come to this church long enough, you're going to hear me preach that nobody was ever baptized in those titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And so if you were baptized that way as a kid, if you were baptized any time like that in your life, you got to get rebaptized because nobody was ever baptized that way. So you baptize in a traditional way. But here is revelation that someone that was baptized in the titles told me. She said, Pastor, I was baptized in the titles and I just don't see the need. And we went on like this for years. Right, Darlene? You too. Years. And so for years we hold into the Father, Son, Holy Ghost baptism. Here is what Sister Maxine shared with me that I was not thinking about. Sister Maxine says, Pastor, you know what was one of the hardest things I had to do when I got baptized in Jesus' name? Because I walk everybody through the, repent, the prayer of repentance. And so I lay hands on them and I tell them to repeat after me because we're going to pray together the prayer of repentance. And I laid hands on her and I began to pray. And I, I said to her, I said, say, Father, she said, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, will you forgive me for my sins? And that part was really good. And she was like, yes, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I give my life to you. This is, this is the, the prayer of repentance. Then I touched on this. I said, now, I want you to say this. Father, in the name of Jesus, and she's saying it. I said, repeat this. I forgive everyone that has ever hurt me, sinned against me, treated me bad, did anything negative to me. I forgive them. She broke down. She said it was so difficult for her. And that's when she brought into my thought that everybody that got baptized in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you never prayed that prayer. I didn't say that. Sister Maxine, who was baptized in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, said she ain't never prayed that prayer when she got baptized in those titles. Which means, again, not only was your baptism not the proper baptism, but you didn't even pray the proper way. Quiet in the house. Because this church only going to teach you Bible. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, the scripture says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized. How were we baptized? Into the titles? No? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized. This is the apostle Paul writing, so you know he talking about that. Were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. So the first death you will have to experience is baptism, repentance and baptism. If you're going to live for God, if you're going to die to yourself and live a righteous life, the first death you have to experience is repentance and baptism. Nobody don't want to die. And when I stand up here Sundays after Sundays and Wednesdays after Wednesdays and make the, 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 the call for people to get baptized, many people just sit there. And so what it really means is I'm not ready to die. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. And then after you have done that, then every day you have to die to yourself. Because here's the deal. When you surrender to God and you're really a Christian, it means that you have given God control of your life. And you're no longer in control of your life. 
Did you understand that? When we say we are Christians, when we say we're living for God, when we say we have given our life to Christ, it means we have turned over the authority to God in our life. And now he is in charge of our life because God don't take control of your life by strong arming you. God don't take control of your life by making you. If you don't do it willingly, he'll let you do whatever you want. So now you understand, why is our world so messed up? Because God won't strong arm nobody. What a God. How, how awesome is he? Because you know we don't do this as parents. We, we strong arm our children. You're going to do what I tell you. God is responsible for giving life. And he's saying, I'm still going to respect you. You decide what you want to do. But here's my word. And because God is love, isn't that interesting? Because God is love, many of us are not getting saved. Because God is love, many of us are not getting saved. Because if God was like Satan, a lot of y'all would get saved. What do you mean by that, preacher? Because Satan will strong arm you to death. He beat you in your head and make you do what he wants. He will beat you into submission. You're going to do what I want. That's why there's a lot of people living for. You say it. I'm not saying it. And so he making you drugging it up. He making you be a criminal. He making you mistreat people. And you're just going along with it. And God is saying, I love you. And I want you to do right, but I'm not going to make you. And you're like, I ain't messing with God. You, you, see, how we, you see how things work? We, we, not, we leaving the Lord alone because he's a gentleman. He's a love. He's love. The Bible says God is love. Well, he is love, and so we're just holding back. Because God has shown us kindness. What we say? You're taking my kindness for weakness. Mm-hmm. When we apply the message of the cross... In our own lives, we experience its power. Oh, we can experience power, church, but we have to make sure we apply the message of the cross in our very own lives. The cross is so powerful that it changes human hearts and transforms human lives. A host of 21st Century Christians can testify that the message of the cross heals the sick. Oh, yes, it does. It, guess what? It touches our mind and give us sound minds. It delivers us from being bound and from addiction and from habits that are sinful. Oh, the cross will allow us to restore in our relationship with one another. It will offer us new beginnings, new hope in this life. we got to come to the understanding of the significance of the cross. The cross has never been compatible to any culture. So here's a big challenge. Its preaching has always established a counterculture. We want God to adapt to our culture. I said that the other day. We want him to adapt to our culture. Lord, the, the times are changing. Lord, we in the 21st century. 
Lord, you don't understand. It's just not the same anymore. Lord, back in the day, they didn't have, you know, the Internet. They didn't have TV and they didn't have, you know, iPhones. But, but it, so it's hard, Lord. You think that's a good excuse? Probably you do. When the Lord introduced the cross and continued to, to, to have his, his servants declare the message of the cross, he knew iPhone was coming out. He knew the Internet was coming out. He knew TV was coming out. He knew all of this stuff. And he did not do anything different than what he said he would do. And so God is not compatible to our culture. So that's another challenge that we have, is that we want to have salvation. We want to be Christians according to the culture of the world. Quiet on me. The Lord Jesus Christ is timeless. He doesn't exist inside of time. He exists outside of time. He is not the product of human culture and has never been enmeshed in any culture. He transformed and transcends culture and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should do the same. And anytime we're expecting the church to, to bring the world in it, it can't be the church anymore. The church does not have the culture of the world. The church must have the culture of the kingdom. The church must have the culture of the one who died for it. The church must have the culture of Jesus. Don't get upset with me, church. I'm preaching to you the truth. Remember, I started out telling you if I wanted to be a crooked preacher, I would preach differently. I would tell you, I would have you running around here. Believe me, there are preachers that know how to do that. Get you running and make you feeling good. Put your money in the basket. Because we will give money to, to, to just feel good. And so if that's what we want, we can find some place that's going to do that. But it's not going to lead you to true salvation. It's not going to lead you to a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not going to lead you to heaven. It's going to keep you bound and just feeling good while you're bound. The lifestyle and the message of the church is to transcend culture. Culture should not have any preeminence in the church. Jesus' culture must be the culture. Not the culture of the world. It's this simple. The culture of the world the world is always changing. The world is ever changing. But he's still the same. And so that's why we can't adapt the, the culture of the world because God don't change, which means his church can't change. And so we try to bring the world in. We're saying we need the church to start changing. God's church not changing. God's church is not changing. In Colossians 1.15, I'm getting there. I'm, 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 I'm 20 minutes away. Probably a little less than that. The 20 minutes is re in reference to, you know, when the, when the pilots come on 
and, and they're getting ready to land, they normally come on 20 minutes before they land. I don't know if you know that. But they normally come on 20 minutes before they land and says, we're, we're descending and we should be on the ground in 20 minutes. And so they tell you that. So I'll be on the ground in a second. Give me a minute here. Colossians 1 and 15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. All that I just read, it told you this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That Jesus is the firstborn of every creature. You ready for this? That Jesus is the creator of everything. Did you get that? So I wonder. Jesus only came on the scene in the New Testament. And he's claiming to create everything? How does that work? How does that work that Jesus came on the scene in the New Testament, but he claims to create everything? There's only one explanation. That Jesus is God, and he was invisible in our beginning, but then he became visible when he came on the scene in the New Testament. Jesus is the true and living God, and he is the head of the church, and he is the pre preeminent over all, the fullness of the Godhead. Huh. Now, verse 20 is the climax of this, this text that we just read. In verse 20, it says, and having made peace. Through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself, or by him, I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. Let me tell you this. Jesus Christ solved the sin problem on the cross once and for all. Remember I told you, I preached a message some years ago at a church and everybody looked at me when I introduced the topic to them because the topic was, sin is not our problem. And everybody looked and says, my goodness, what is he talking about? Sin is not our problem. We all are struggling with sin. No, sin is not our problem because Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross and shed his blood, he handled the sin problem right there. If we are in sin, it's because we choose to be in sin. Not because we can't be free from sin. <laughs> this means that one day Jesus can bring together all who are in him, all who belong to him. He will be able to glorify obedient believers and punish unbelievers and do it justly because of his death on the cross. No one, not even Satan, can accuse the Lord Jesus Christ of doing wrong because sin has been effectively dealt with on the cross. In case you're not understanding what I'm saying is, we messed up and Jesus has paid the price for our mess. 
it now depends if we want to go back and keep messing up or we want to accept what he has done for us and live righteous and live holy and live faithful unto him. He paid the, the price for what we should be paying for. And that's where I get stuck oftentimes in preaching this message is that got to go down this road. I've never bought a drink for somebody that didn't acknowledge me. Y'all missed it? Before I was in church and I was sitting at the bar, whether it was somebody's attention I'm trying to get or not, if I told a bartender, whatever, that person's drinking, it's on me. That person, they never got the drink and never acknowledged me. Jesus paid the price for us. And it, ain't, it wasn't just for a glass of wine. It wasn't just for a martini. It, it wasn't just for a margarita or a shot of tequila. That's, that's not what he paid the price for. He paid the price that you don't have to live in hell and torment for all eternity. That's what he paid the price for. He paid the price that you can live a life that is free from sin. He paid the price that you can live a life that is loving and caring. That you can live a victorious life. He didn't pay the price for you to have a drink. Man paid the price for you to have a drink. That's not what Jesus paid the price for. Jesus paid the price that you don't live in bondage, that you don't live in sin, that the devil don't wreck your life. Because whether we believe it or not, the devil will wreck our life if we don't submit to God. If we don't let him have the control in our life, Satan will wreck your life. Sometimes he's doing crazy, just boom all of a sudden, and sometimes he slowly destroy it. He work it, work his plan. And before you know it, you're so far gone, you get to the place that you start saying, I don't even know if I can get back. Now I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this from the Holy Ghost. I don't care how far gone you are. If Jesus can save the man that was bound by devils, did you hear about the man who was bound by devils? He lived out by the cemetery. He would cut himself. People was afraid to walk by him because he was just crazy. If Jesus can save a crazy man who was possessed by demons and chased people away, if he can deliver him and save him, you are never too far gone. I don't care what you have done. I don't care how bad things have been. You're never too far gone to be reached by Jesus. So I command that voice, I command that voice that's telling you that you shouldn't move, you shouldn't do anything. I command that voice to be silenced in your mind. And I pray that the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the voice of truth, will begin to go out into your mind and into your heart. And that you will know that Jesus will keep you and he will make sure you're victorious. Too many times the devil, we come to church and we in church and the devil take our mind off of what God is saying to us. And we find ourselves just in a state of almost like just no man's land. 
We're, we're present physically, but, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we're not here because we allow the devil to inflict this kind of distraction and bring back up thoughts that are just not even godly. Jesus Christ is the only one who can reconcile man unto God. If Jesus Christ is only man, just a prophet, as some have said, or only an emanation from God, he is not qualified to reconcile God with man. The only arbitrator who can bring God and man together is one who is both God and man. Nobody else can bring us into a relationship with Christ, but Christ himself, who is God and man at the same time. This is why people are struggling. How can he be God and man at the same time, but he praying? Well, if you are a real Christian, are you praying? Well, he's man. He got to pray. If he represents man, he got to represent man all the way. Praying, eating, crying. But as God, he did miracles. As God, he was able to open blinded eyes. He was able to forgive sin. But as man, he prayed. When he died on the cross... He met the just demand of the law because he paid the penalty for man's sin. Reconciliation was completed on the cross. Church, however we live today is what we choose. But we will never be able to stand before God and tell him any excuse as to why we live the life that we're living. There will be no excuse that we can ever give him. There will be no excuse that's so good. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the Lord went through? You saw a little bit of it. You've watched so many movies on crucifixion. Can you imagine all that he goes through? And we expect him to accept some kind of good excuse as to why we didn't. Think about that. Think about that. Just think about what he went through and now think about you going to him to give him a good reason why you didn't obey him. You think that's acceptable? You think that's acceptable when he went through all of what he went through for you? Listen to me, I'm finishing up here. After we have been reconciled unto the Lord Jesus, if we continue in reconciliation with him, then we will live eternally in reconciliation with him. Having a reconciled relationship with the Lord Jesus here on earth is not the grand finale. You ready for the grand finale? The grand finale says in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. That by his spirit that dwell in you, you will be raised up. So you have heard me said this before. 
The only way we get in heaven is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and living a holy and righteous life. Preacher, why is that so significant? When you get baptized, when you repent and you get baptized, you die with Christ. Just like he died, but he really physically died. That's how you will die. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive what is going to be used to raise you to heaven. And so we always put these little things, we, 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 don't, we, we push back on certain things and don't really realize the importance of it. If the Spirit, but, the, but if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Without the Holy Ghost, we can't leave this earth and go to heaven. Without the Holy Ghost, we cannot leave this earth and go to heaven. So we need the Holy Ghost, because that's part of the whole deal. That's how we're going to ascend to heaven. And so the grand finale is not us getting saved. The grand finale is when we ascend, when we are caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Because he rose from the grave, we now know we can raise up and meet him in the air. When he rose from the grave, he then ascended to heaven. If we follow his same course, we get buried with him in baptism, we receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, then we too, when we are good and when he is good and ready for us, we will ascend to meet him in the air. You don't believe me? Watch this. 1 Corinthians 15:51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Talking about those of us who repented, got baptized, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and living a holy, righteous life. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is law but thanks be to God which giveth us victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Getting saved is not the grand finale. Being transformed, being changed, and meeting him in the air, that's the grand finale. That's how you know I'm going to live eternally with the Lord, the one who gave life, the one who has kept me here. And I want to be there. I want to meet him. Does anybody in the house of the Lord want to meet the Lord in the air? Do you want to be in the grand finale? Do you want to meet Jesus and be saved for all eternity? Clap your hands unto the Lord.
Let's stand as I close here. The Lord Jesus placed himself as the centrality in the whole cosmos, the world. He is the originator and the sustainer. He is also the redeemer, the reconciler and restorer. Through Jesus, a mysterious, a mysterious harmony is struck between mankind and himself, also within heaven itself. This peace is made through the blood of his cross to reconcile all things unto himself. Thus the cross stands at the center of everything. I know we want to think the cross is about church people. <laughs> the cross is about church. But let me tell you, the cross is the sensuality of the entire world. In the world and outside the world and under the world. Let me tell you this in case you miss all of what I've just said. Without the cross, every person who had sinned would have died right after they sinned. Without the cross. From the very beginning, God has been shedding his blood from the garden. The cross wasn't in the garden, but the shedding of blood took place in the garden. And the Lord had said, the sin, the soul that sinned shall surely die. And from, he created us. He's been making a way so we wouldn't die in our sins. So you might not be saved today. But it's only because God has made a way for you to be saved. And because God is merciful... He is not allowing you to die while you're in your sins. And so what he's telling us today as we have come together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he is saying, will you give your life to me today? You don't want to keep prolonging this. I would think since 2020 till present, we realize that we have no understanding and any idea as to when we're going to die. We had known that before then, but since 2020 till now, we have no clue when we're going to leave this place. We can walk out of here right now and never see tomorrow. We don't know. So why don't we make a decision today to say, Lord, I appreciate what you did for me. And let me just go ahead and take advantage of it. Let me not just walk around you ready for this? Anybody in here have a car that they own? Come on, show me your hands. Car owners. If you own a house, give me your hands too. Cars and houses. All right, let me mess with you now. If you don't have insurance on your car or your house, put your hand up. Hey, hey, Brother Tim. Hold on, hold on, Brother Tim. Let me tell you something. I'm about, I'm about to tell you something. I used to drive without insurance. I used to fake the insurance cards. Back in the day when it wasn't, you know, cops couldn't pull it up in the system. I used to get the insurance card and I used to mess with it and then print it off again and keep it in the car. No insurance. Driving around with a fake insurance card. 
Just, just saying. Cause y'all think the preacher's just slow or something like I'm like, you know, I don't know what's going on. I was the worst of the worst. And there ain't no trick that I didn't know. And so we have insurance in our cars and we have insurance in our homes. Why? Somebody said protection. So if something happened to the house, it can get rebuilt. Something happened to the car, you get a new one. Giving your life to Jesus. You can't in your right mind own a house and have insurance on it, own a car, have insurance on it, and today don't give your life to Jesus. You're driving a Mercedes without insurance. You're living in your five-bedroom, nice backyard with your swimming pool with no insurance. Do you want to keep living your life with no insurance? This is the last thing I'm going to say. Probably not last thing, but close to the last thing. Please listen to me. I've heard this many times, and they practice this a lot in the foreigners, in, in foreign countries, like the one I'm from. Probably the one some of you from, too. That they try to tell you, you're not ready to give your life to God. And they tell you, you need to go to a class. And you need to get ready. And that whole time while you're trying to get ready, what if something happened to you? You're just going to trust that God's going to keep you, huh? You don't know if God's been trying to keep you for the longest. Somebody want to get saved? Come on to me as little children. But stop telling yourself that when you're ready, you're going to get saved. You don't make yourself ready to get saved. God says, come, and you just come, and he will do the rest. I was just telling them on my discipleship class that I teach on Tuesday nights. Discipleship class, get the link if you want to join us. Tuesday nights, that's where you can ask any question, and we just go through scriptures and learn scriptures. It's a really good platform. But I was telling them, now this is interesting, so hear me and hear me real good. I knew I wanted to give my life to God. But I don't think there was ever a day of the week that I didn't drink. You hearing me real good? I don't think there was ever a day of the week that I didn't drink before I got saved. And I didn't know what would happen once I give my life to God, how that was all going to work. But I remember when I made up my mind that I was going to give my life to God, the last bottle of beer I drank 20-ounce Bex or the 20-ounce Heineken, one of them. And I started drinking nice and comfortable, just chilling, and I couldn't finish it. I had to go pour it down the sink. Now, I didn't know God's power worked like that. I just figured I got to get myself right to get saved. But when I decided I'm going to give my life to God, he took away the alcohol from me without me doing anything. So for you all that think that, oh, I drink all the time, preacher, you don't understand. Oh, I smoke all the time, preacher, you don't understand. Oh, I cuss all the time, preacher, you don't understand. All the stuff that you're telling me, what you telling me? God can't take that away from you? Is that what you're telling me? God can't take that away from you? Your salvation 
It's not up to you. It's up to the cross. It's the cross that will cause you to be delivered from alcohol and from drugs and from addiction and from all the things that have you bound. It's the cross that does it, not you. So thinking that you got some control and you know how to make it happen, that's a deception. I lived it myself. God took away alcohol from me and I did nothing. He just... God made me holy and I did nothing. I'm living holy, I'm dressing holy and doing all this all. And I'm like, how is this possible? To the point where I wasn't even embarrassed. Had nothing to do with me. All it had to do with, I made a decision. Because the cross had it all handled already. So whatever you need today, the cross already handled it. All you got to do is come and deliberately in the name of Jesus. You going to do it for me? You going to do it for me? You going to be the one to preach the word for me? You going to be the one to do it for me? Because God's been calling your daddy to do it. I'm going to lay hands on you and you lay hands on him later, okay? Is there anybody that wants God to do something for you today? Why don't you come? We have people that will pray for you. I will pray for you. Don't delay it. God wants to do something in your life right now. It's not your power. It's not because you're strong. Come on, Sammy. I got to pray for you. Is there anyone that would like God to do something for you? If you need healing, I told you today, before you leave, if you feel pain in your body and you need healing, God is going to heal you. You just got to come. Healing is in the house. Deliverance is in the house. Come on, Brother Tim. God is talking to you, Tim. Don't struggle with God. I got you. You good. God's got you. But I got you. I don't want you to struggle. I appreciate you. I love you, man. Come on around here, darling. workers, I need you. Come on. God wants to do something. I so appreciate y'all taking a step of boldness today. Come on. Step of boldness today. God's going to do something for you. Mr. Phillips, come on up here. Make your way. Come on up here. You need to stop fighting with God. Stop fighting with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Fear no evil. 
thank you for this day. You've brought us together for such a time as this. For every person that needs healing, we thank you for healing. For every person that needs deliverance, we thank you for deliverance. We thank you.